Yeah, don't worry about the time. You, you have plenty of time. Yes, yes, okay, thank you. Sorry for this. Are you seeing? Yes. Yeah, okay, thank you. So we have some technical problems. So we are, we are almost at the end of the presentation. So I think I stopped in the fourth topic. So these tiles, paints, do not make their airplane invisible to all radars or even to radars of any given airport. Fighter radars tend to use relatively short wavelengths. Ground-based radar tends to use longer wavelengths. It simply reduces the intensity of the reflection. RAN is most effective against shorter wavelength radars, such as on radar guidance missiles and on most fighters. It's less effective against longer wavelengths, such as from ground-based radar. While early stealth airplanes made copious use of RAN, modern ones rely almost solely on their shape and use most amounts of RAN in a small number of critical spots, such as corners, open gaps. Many rain substances are toxic, making airplane maintenance difficult. Some rain has been claiming to lose effectiveness in the rain. Carbon nanotubes, bulky papers, and metal, metal organic framework are the tech type. They offer a large bandwidth and great reflection losses to face enemy detection. So then we come to the end of the webinar. I would like to thank all those registered and I am at your disposal for any possible doubts and questions. Here is also my social media and email. Stay free to send me questions or any quest or any other content. I will answer with great pleasure. Finally, I would like to thank AIWA, especially to Ken Lu for inviting me, and I hope to see you soon. Have a great weekend and God bless you. Thank you so much. This is a wonderful presentation. So now we're open the floor to a Q&A. So uh, please click your click raise hand. So you'll be able to speak out directly uh, your question and uh, interact with the speaker. You're also welcome to type the question in Q&A box uh, if you like, but it's better to speak out. So please go ahead. I think this is a great opportunity. You know, this, uh, the speaker talk about many aspects of the uh, uh, RCS and the material in terms of electronic warfare and a lot of things that he might not be able to show uh, the slides, but you're welcome to uh, speak out. <clears throat> yes, I'm totally free and you can begin. See.
can only see message to rejoin if already rejoined. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, no worries, Santosh. I think well, everyone has rejoined I, uh, from what I counted. Um, the... Yes, I think uh, yes. the, the, yeah? Yeah. before the technical problem, we have uh, 19 subscribers. So all, all of those that could re rejoin. So if we don't have any questions, I... Yeah, we, we have, we have. Santosh has a question. Santosh, go ahead. Yes, excellent presentation, by the way. Thank you for presenting this. Uh, oh, my you. question uh, basically is, is as follows. Uh, one, uh, can you speak about the fact that stealth uh, does, you know, of course, we already know that it doesn't uh, eliminate radar signature. It only lowers it, hence low observable, or it puts it into certain known quadrants or locations so that you can mission plan around it, uh, such as behind the aircraft or to the side, whatever. And that poses the second part of the issue is that any thoughts on the shoot down of Vega uh, was it 41 or 30, I think it was Vega 31, which was the uh, Lockheed F-117A Nighthawk. Uh, that was the first uh, uh, stealth jet that was shot down combat jet that was shot down combat flown by uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dale Zelko at the time. And some of the theories that I have heard are one, the invisible man theory that uh, a, that the stealth was so good that the way that they identified where it was was by the uh, invisible man in the rain theory that uh, by turning up the signal to noise ratio, they would detect where there was a hole in the sky, uh, you know, from the atmospheric whatever uh, being uh, deflected away. And therefore, that they were targeted. And the, and the other theory is that uh, they use the cell phone towers to, uh, as a poor mind ions, to collect the areas where the energy was deflected, going back to what I first said uh, of the uh you know stealth doesn't autumn observable stealth doesn't eliminate the radar energy it just sends it in certain directions so you have to mission plan around it any thoughts on those yes yes uh it's a very good question so we have many theories about the the shoot down about the f-170 i think that the the more acceptable is the uh, the aircraft was detected by a vhf radar so the frequency is lower than the, the normal radar. And, and VHF is known in the literature about the stealth hunters. So uh, in the aircraft, we have points, we have uh, resonance frequencies. So VHF today is, uh, is knowing uh, about uh, uh, stealth, stealth hunters. So I think it's the, the, the theory that is more related to the, to the popular knowing. So we have many, many, many kinds of, of this, but I really believe that is a, a VHF radar. So uh, a cell phone tower can detect. The other theory that I heard is uh, a bi-static radar. So with a bi-static radar, we can detect stealth fighters more easier. So I don't know if I answer your question, but is uh, the theories that I, that I believe. 
Well, I think it was more than just a VHF alone. It's also how they collected the scattered uh, radar data. Because regardless of whether it's VHF or microwave or whatever, uh, the shaping should still disperse the energy into certain known locations. So I think uh, a lot of it also had to deal with how they collected it, the method of collection of the thing to triangulate location. Uh, it's, a, it's a big mystery, but I think it's in, in a resonance areas. So every kind of shape and at certain angle, we have this resonance area. So in a it specific inside the VHF band or nearly of the HF band, we have this kind of reflection. So we emit on the VHF or the HF frequency, we, we can achieve this resonance area. So we can detect the, the, stealth, the stealth aircraft. Okay, so the resonance from the VHF is what allowed it to uh, defeat the stealth completely by allowing yeah. it to reflect back. Yeah, now, what about the uh, invisible man and the rain theory? Uh, is there any merit to that? The whole idea that the stealth was so good that you just have to turn up the signal to noise ratio to catch the atmospherics. And then find where the hole is in the sky, where the, uh, the enemy. I, I didn't understand very well your question. Could you repeat? Yeah, one of the theories I had heard was the invisible man in the rain. The invisible man is walking in the rain. Uh, you will know where the invisible man is because the rain does not hit the ground wherever he's standing. That's the invisible man in the theory, in the rain theory. So similarly applied to stealth, what they were saying is that the area where the where the F-117 would have been, they would have seen a hole, a radar hole in the sky from uh, uh, whatever atmospherics being deflected away. So they were seeing an, uh, an electromagnetic hole in the sky, and that's how they would, by deduction, be able to determine that that's where he is because he's not where else. Any yes, merits? Yes. Yes. I, I have, I've heard the, this theory, but but I don't know. Uh, it's uh, uh, quite difficult to relate some points and. And I, I will give uh, an information, an information. So uh, in Kosovo war, we have a shootdown of the F-117 and the Italian aircraft has not any aircraft uh, shootdown. They, they use the Tornado and the AMX. It's not a generation of fighter aircraft and they are not detected, detected by the radio. So it's a really huge mystery inside the, this complex. Why the F-117 has detected uh, and the, the tornado or the AMX are not? It's a, a good point. If As you Michael could... oh, sorry, right. sorry. Yeah, you can help. Yeah. Okay, what I said was, as Michael put it, there are also tactics involved. So if you were using predictable flight schedules and predictable flight patterns, it doesn't matter how much stealth you have, they're going to find you. So I think that's yeah, part of the reason yeah. why non-stealth aircraft were able to evade shoot down because they were being unpredictable, therefore harder to find. That's how you mean yes, interrupt yes, you there. You are totally right. Uh, uh, tactics and stealth are 
close interrelated. Uh, we we it doesn't matter if we we have a, a aircraft with many radar absorbing material with with if we don't have a good tech. So we must you combine these types of words and made a, a good approach to a radar site or any kind of targets. Okay. Uh, next, uh, Gus, Dr. Odonis, do you want to speak out? Uh, right now, this, is, this was a very nice uh, presentation. I want to congratulate you because you've taken the uh, an approach that's explaining from the basics uh, to uh, really how electromagnetic works. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question, but also to give the audience a couple of feedback uh, points regarding publications. First, uh, since you are a Brazilian pilot, can you let us know uh, how does the um, Brazilian Air Force or the Brazilian industry handle radar and um, uh, how does that industry stand right now? And how does the Brazilian Air Force uh, um, train pilots uh, from from a NRCS RAM perspective uh, from a, a maneuvers uh, capability? Second, uh, just a data point for the audience. Um, Robert Ball is a distinguished professor at the Naval Postgraduate School, and uh, he actually he and service engineering for those who are interested. Uh, developed a survivability manual for aircraft that, that does not quite get into RCS uh, modifications, but also but really consult with aircraft companies on how to make an aircraft more survivable from a, uh, in case it gets shut down or in case it gets uh, hit. Point uh, is to try to bring the, air back, the aircraft back, uh, back to ground safely. Uh, that's one. And uh, second, uh, just a uh, thumbs up for a uh, uh, very good book that is called Introduction to Airborne Radar by George Stimson. Uh, he and um, Bob Smith from uh, uh, former General Electric engine company uh, who worked quite a bit into uh, designing RCS aircraft at surfaces. And um, I, I I would recommend that for those who are interested. Go ahead, Renan. Okay, Gus. Uh, thank you for your appreciation. Uh, your audio is uh, uh, quite bad for me, but I think I understand your first question. Uh, how the Brazilian Air Force train your pilot to manage the, the RCS or the, the fighter pilots? That's it? Yes. Okay. Uh, we have inside the, the Brazilian Air Force an, uh, a roadmap to, to form the, not only the, the pilots, but also the infantry officers. And sometimes the, 
the our specialties. So we have the the basic ground on electronic warfare. It's a uh, it's a course is a course that has uh, three weeks of introduction. After that, we have a uh, specialization about the electromagnetical environment that uh, of course that during six months and at the final of the, this course, the students must to present a, a, a thesis that abords an uh, operational problem and how the students handle with the electromagnetical theory this problem. After that, we have the, the masters. The masters uh, from the, the ITA, the Aeronautics Institute of Technology. And we have more deeply, uh, more deeply theory inside this, this topic, the electronic affair. And we have the doctorates at the final. So we have this roadmap. We have the, the basics the specialization, the masters, the doctorates, and that's it. We have the, the higher ground on electronic warfare inside the Brazilian Air Force. That's it. Thank you. Hello, can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you. Oh, okay, yeah, this is Michael. Yeah, uh, question, yeah, what do you see in, in stealth as what you can tell within the next 20, 25 years? I mean, there's, you know, stealth now, and then there's counter stealth, you know, with radar coming up, and then there's, there will be a counter, counter stealth, and counter, counter, counter stealth will still be relevant. I mean, it's way out in the future, Rel be relevant, still relevant in 50 years. Yes, it's a very good question. In fact, uh, I don't know, but I have some some thoughts about this. Uh, as as we as I can comment on the presentation, we have today the the carbon nanotubes and the moth moth the metal organic framework. The metal organic framework is a kind of new combination about the carbon particles and metal particles. This is not a, a nature combination. It's uh, synthesized in laboratory, this unit. So we have a good, good, a really good results on this, on absorbing uh, electromagnet radiance. We have about uh, 19 dB of absorption or reflection loss in a large bandwidth, like uh, L to X band on radio. So I think it's the future of stealth, uh, based on mixed on carbon nanotubes and not metal organic framework. I think it's the, the future. And if we return back to basics on the radar equation, the RCS is the only way to count over the radar detection. So we can reduce 
dramatically our RCS pointing out this parameter uh, inside the, the, the radar equation. So I think to invest on stealth, it's the best way to, to get the, the better position in battle. So we have some counter and counter and counter like you, you comment, but I think it's the, the best way to, to get a good position on that, investing on stealth. Uh, so, Renan, are you going to respond to it, or? Oh, the, 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 the third one, the Santosh Kuma? Santosh, you can go, go ahead. Oh, yeah, okay, just to take back on Michael's question into the future, any thoughts on uh, some of the esoteric type stuff uh, for EM yeah, cloaking, yeah. such as plasma or other yeah. coils or whatever to, to create like an ionic? sheath around the aircraft and of course the negative effect is doing something ridiculous like that would be you know how are you going to communicate you would be nordo uh, uh you know as far as your navigation systems whatever because i think they because modern combat aircraft uh they still have radars and communication capability even while maintaining their stealth because they use satellite communication and or other bands they, they have you know i'm sure classified methods of still being able to maintain sight uh so just uh, some thoughts on some of the more esoteric methods of cloaking the aircraft. Yes, yes. Hmm. Santosh, is that uh, your question answered? Yeah, yeah. Are you aware of any of the more esoteric methods uh, such as uh, EM cloaking and plasma sh uh, sheets or or uh, ionic, um, I guess, uh, cloaks around the aircraft that are generated as opposed to relying on just RAM and RCS reduction. Brandon, are you ready to answer Santos' question or you want to wait a little bit? Yeah, I have a, a, a little unstable internet, but I think uh, I could hear the, this question. I think that the, the plasma in ionic cloaking is a, it's a good, good way to point, but uh, they are very, very secret projects. We have, we don't have any, any kind of information of this. And, and I don't have so proper to, to, to comment. So uh, I know this, so the, the ionic clothing and the, and the plasma. So uh, we have a, a very, very top secret point. So I, I don't have any idea what is the 
the main idea be, uh, behind this this approach. So I can handle with this at the moment. Are you able to at least address uh, even with current stealth, let alone in the future? One of the big problems, of course, with the cloaking type stuff is how are you going to communicate? Because currently with current stealth, uh, they use uh, antennas on the dorsal side that can communicate with uh, satellites, right? Because the energy going upward towards space will not be directed downward. Therefore, you won't be detected as long as you're in upright flight condition, uh, straight level type scenario. Um, but in terms of uh, like the B2, for example, uh, has a radar uh, that's designed, and I'm sure the F-117, all these aircraft do have radar to be able to target uh, the enemies. But one of the fundamental problems is if you're an emitter, you're going to be detected. So any thoughts uh, without going into any classification type stuff of generally speaking, how they can avoid uh, detection while still being able to maintain a radar site picture other than just using different frequency bands. Uh, in fact, I, I don't know. I don't know because uh, I don't have this type of study and uh, I think it's difficult to, to think about this. I, I, I don't have any idea to, to face the, this point. Yeah, uh, Santosh, just my personal, so the technology you mentioned, plasma croaking, I think these are more active, you know, they require some power consumption uh, versus right now you're using material uh, angle, you know, RCS, those things, they are more passive. They don't require a lot of power. So don't you think this technology might consume more energy than, you know, we already- That is a concern is for how much energy we required. Yeah. But but the issue also is that with the with the amount of power, ultimately the source of power for all these aircraft will be the engines. So like an aircraft like the F-35, whatever, you got so much thrust and energy being generated by the engines. Um, you know, how does that weigh in with the amount of energy required to do this cloaking thing? But I think the bigger issue is that you can have all kinds of esoteric technology, but if you can't, but if it hampers your own ability to function and communicate and target, then yeah, you're all stealth. No one can see you, but you can't see anybody or communicate with anybody either. So now you're now useless in combat as well. And I think that's a fundamental issue. Okay, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, uh, Ryan, did you see Jeff's question? He said his his question was answered. Uh, yes, by, yes. Uh, I, I can I can read it and I answer. Okay. Yes. Will LO continue to be useful in all band mode stacked future, or will we have to look other technology to survive? Uh, definitely, we we look to other technology to survive. The the hypersonics is a good example to do this. So uh, we have a specific job to face any kind of threat. So that's it. I think. It, it's not possible to, to escape to this. Yeah, you're right. Recently, the news about the Raytheon's Hawk uh, missile, hypersonic, you know, those, those things. Indeed, you yes. know, those things are moving very fast. Yes. Yeah, Raytheon did a very good job, you know, so. Okay. Well, you see uh, Pat, Pat, uh, I mean, I think he, Pat, do you want to speak out? 
to Captain Richter? Huh. He is just thanking for. I, I, I was just thanking you for a, for a great talk. I, I appreciate the uh, work you put into this. It's a great summary. So thank you very much. And I, I tried to do it in, uh, in, in uh, your language. Yes, yes. I really appreciate your, your deference. So thank you so much, Pat. I, I really enjoyed you to make this webinar. And I really like to, to continue to sharing my knowledge. It's not a, about the, the, the biggest one, but uh, it's a really interesting topic to me. And I continuing to, to research and, uh, and for the future, future commitment of with the AIWA or other persons that are interested to share any knowledge with me. I'm very open. I'm with, with arms wide open. Yes, thank you. So, so if I can ask uh, one, one other question, how, how is it that a person is interested in stealth when they fly the P3, which is not the stealthiest of airplanes? What, 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 what comes next for you? Uh, I don't know because uh, inside the the Brazilian Air Force, we we don't have a a prediction. To first of all, I I flew the P3 Orion. So after that, I be I begin to study electronic warfare. So uh, I can handle with the the future. So today, I'm very interesting in stealth, but I'm, I'm not flying P3 Orion as well. Well, thanks again and, and best wishes to you going forward. This is great stuff. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Any chance the Brazilians would uh, transition to the P8 Poseidon moving? Oh, Santosh, you may want to repeat your question. Being a P3 Orion driver, uh, any chance that the uh, Brazilian Air Force or Navy, depending on who's flying it, uh, would transition to the P8 Poseidon, the Boeing P8 Poseidon, based on the Boeing 737-800, I think is what it is, the next generation? Uh, are you asking for the Brazilian Air Force to, to change to P8? Are they are they going to eventually move to the P eight? Is that on the is that on the on the horizon as the as the roadmap once the P three is retired? Well, uh, for the Brazilian Air, Air Force at the present moment, no, we have a P three Orion only, so we don't have any plans to to change these aircraft. Despite the fact they have very problems of logistics and flying hours. So, but we don't have any plan at the present moment to change the P3 or IO for the P8 or other projects. 
And one of the problems with the P8 is that with all, even though it has all this wonderful technology and it's new and everything, because this turbofan is supposed to turboprop, it has great range, but it can't loiter very long once it gets on station. Whereas the P3, it has great uh, loiter capability. So that's one of the reasons why a lot of countries prefer the P8, I'm sorry, P3 Orion, because of the fact that you can shut down one of the engines and actually loiter longer on station as opposed to being, you know, with a jet where you have to go in and get out. Yes, yes. I, I have been on VP30 on Jacksonville on the simulator, and uh, I have a flight with two engines only. The, P2, the P3 is a, an excellent aircraft. We have uh, loitering missions. We have uh, endurance of about uh, 13 hours on station. So it's a very, very, very good aircraft. Yeah, this is a big issue when the Malaysian Airlines went down, we're trying to search for it, is that the PA was able to cover a, a bigger area of ocean by getting there quicker. But once it got on station, uh, they already had to go back. They already hit bingo. Whereas with the P3, uh, they could loiter there much longer. Uh, so that was the reason why they had to kind of use a mix of both uh, to get yes. the job done. Yes. Uh, the difference about the, the turboprop and the reaction engine. So we, with a turboprop, we've, we must to fly at lower levels. We have a good advantage to the, to the P8, for example. Makes sense because uh, jets have to go up high to be fuel efficient. Yes, yes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Brian, I saw your mic is on uh, shortly. Brian, do you want to speak out? Yes, my thanks as well for the greater. Uh, oh, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's totally my pleasure. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you, Renan. But I think Brian, Mr. Mean, Mr. Mean, I thought you, you were trying to unmute and speak out. Or Jesse, or, or oh. Brian, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I, I really enjoyed the uh, presentation. Uh, I'm not really a expert in this area, although I worked in the aerospace for quite a while. I've been just listening, uh, so thank you very much. Um, I might have one question actually. There is always this engine problem. I think someone mentioned about the engine. The heat essentially is an electromagnetic wave. So how do you, how do you um, make the heat to be sterile? Oh yeah, uh, it's a good question. Uh, it's a, a very good point to, to do this because I only talk about the, the stealth related to uh, electromagnetic waves related to radar. So we have the stealth for the infrared radiation. So the, the, the mainly, uh, the mainly, objective to do this is a flattened nozzles, flattened nozzles about the engine that we could mix the, the, the air, the, the hot air with the cold air. So the flattened nozzles about uh, inside the engine, flattened nozzles 
we could mix the hot air and the cold air. It's the, one of the most uh, applicable ways to reduce the infrared signature for the stealth in this bandwidth. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay. Uh, Jesse, Jesse, I think you have uh, uh, asked uh, some question earlier. Uh, do you want to speak out, Jesse? Oh, maybe not. Okay, I, I, uh, wait, I do have a question. When you mentioned about photonic uh, materials, uh, but now you are talking about electromagnetic waves. So, um, so when, when you talk about you are doing the photonic material research for RCS, are you specifically talking about optical or you are actually still referring to the electromagnetic frequencies? Uh, yes, uh, my, my work related to photonics is not, not about the, the RCS, it's related to Jamie. So- okay. okay, I see, I see, I see, sorry, yeah. yeah. I yes. see. But but we can we can talk if you if you prefer. Uh, if you kind of if you want, you can say a few words if you like. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's a, a really short uh, speak. So uh, related to microwave photons, I I have worked with uh, digital radio frequency memory. Uh, related to the next generation gen inside the, the growler. So I had studied uh, mainly the, the bottlenecks inside the DRFM, the digital radio frequency pair. So I have made an, uh, a layout that is a photonic radio frequency panel. I could mix uh, a radio frequency inside a light carrier, inside a photonic loop, a, a fiberglass loop with four kilometers of, of height. And I could store this pulse about 80 microseconds inside. So this layout is useful to to do some techniques related to gain, like the range gauge pull off. So we depict the, the enemy radar with uh, false targets. I don't know if he is familiar to, to the audience, but is the, the main idea. It's a memory to make this type of jamming technique, the range gauge pull off. We steal the gate of the enemy radar and put false targets inside the enemy radar. It's basically do that. Okay, I see. So um, it's just a personal question. So at which stage are you uh, kind of uh, uh, about to finish your thesis or is still like a year to go? Uh, or you are about finished for your PhD study? Yes, I can share as you prefer. No, no, no I mean, uh, uh, 
you your thesis study are you in the last final year are you uh this uh, phd thesis uh, the research has been completed or it still need two two year one year oh. to go no it's already complete it was oh, my oh, master's okay. okay. yeah. i can share with you okay that would be great okay Thank you. A any more questions? I don't see, but uh, I, I do have something in my mind when you come up. Okay, so when you talking about the styles, they are very good principle and the, the development, but uh, <clears throat> but you know there is a kind of new system like the, uh, Russia has the SAM, the new uh, SAM system coming up. So how do you the the how do you kind of link this to get, are they more capable than the conventional system or uh, what you mentioned already, you know, kind of covered that can kind of more stealth against those uh, the same missile defense system? Uh, it's, it's a very difficult point and a very challenging point because the Russian is a big black box. We don't know nothing. I see, I see. Particularly, uh, we are the, the Brazilian. We don't have the, the, the most brilliant intelligence, neither the, the most for armed forces. So it's really difficult to us. Uh, I think it's only an, uh, a, common, a common project between the United States and the, the Allied force we can discuss with more, uh, more details and to face the, the threat. So it's very difficult. That's true. And in, uh, I don't think any country or, or uh, thing around Brazil deploy any uh, uh, the same system. I don't think any, anyone. Yes, so yes. Venezuela, Venezuela. Venezuela has one? Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah, S three hundred, S three hundred. Yes, okay. it's a it's a very 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 difficult point to to face. It's I a, see. A, a huge sense site and very capable one, and made made by Russians. Interesting. Yes, I see. I didn't realize. I, I was even. I, I was saying like uh, uh, Cuba might have one, but it's instead it's a Venezuela. Yes, Venezuela has two, the S30, S300, S300. Yeah, not the 400, not the newest one. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, China just bought uh, the several uh, systems of the 400. Uh, so I don't know any other country actually has S400 because 400 is new for Russia as well. Yes. Um, yeah, so Belreza has 300, that's easy. So yeah, in, in a sense, there's no immediate immediate uh, threat uh, near or around Brazil other than Venezuela, Venezuela. So it's kind of, you know, it's a good sturdy topic, but it's not imminent danger or, or anything. Yes, yes. That, that's true. Um, I see, so PhD. So, so you, you're saying your 
you have written your master's thesis. Okay, okay, that's good. All right. <clears throat> so any more question, folks? I do have more, but I don't want to keep uh, dragging the speaker. I can check with him, you know, afterwards, but if you have any good question, this is the right time. Uh, please click raise hand or type in the Q&A. I know this is a hot topic, you know, this is a, a great opportunity. Yeah, previously we have the uh, pilot uh, talking about Growler and the uh, engineering manager talking about the Growler, but uh, now we have, uh, you know, pilot and the engineer. Uh, that's really the best combination for, for, for the, this topic. Yeah, this, this is actually a very big topic for aerospace because, you know, people these days, they think if you have a jammer or uh, you can paralyze the enemy, you know, uh, like a, a power system or facilities or cybersecurity, and you don't even have to fire a missile, you know. So this is a, you know, a very interesting uh, modern warfare and uh, it's heavily aerospace. Uh, so just a... Well, but that, that's fine. This is uh, just the beginning. You know, the speaker will, will come back to speak with us and uh, post a uh, newsletter article. And uh, so, so yeah, I understand this, uh, this is just the beginning. Uh, so, okay. So if you have, don't, don't have any more questions, so let's thank uh, uh, our speaker today. Uh, he did a wonderful job. It's just amazing. And uh, we are all so excited, excited and inspired. Uh, so thank you, thank you, uh, uh, Renan. Uh, please stay in touch. This is really wonderful. Uh, so we will uh, post the recording after the event. And oh, somebody, oh, Michael said, uh, thank you, excellent presentation. Yeah, everybody agree, this is wonderful. Very, uh, it's great presentation. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I really thank you, Ken, for the for invite me to to do today and uh, present this a little part of my, my study and uh, I really appreciate all the questions and I wish to thank you all for especially so Santos, Michael, Brian, Pat and I really appreciate it. I hope we can do more events in the future and I wish you all a great weekend. So that's it. See you. See you, Thank Brandon. you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Thank you. We can talk about your next presentation when you have uh, when you have the chance. Okay. Okay. And my next presentation is inside the Association of Old Crows on January. January, I think it's the 29, 29 January. Okay. Then we, we can. Yeah. Yeah. Th then we can arrange another AWA presentation after uh, for after that. Or before that, if you like. Oh, as you prefer. I'm okay. totally open. Okay. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank see you. you. Bye. See you. See you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much again. Uh, I wish you enjoyed the wonderful presentation today. Can so anybody you guys could post the links for uh, for the stuff into the chat or something, or make it available because it's hard to grab it from the.